Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sister, how are you? Alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ukhti, alhamdulillah, I'm good. How are you? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Very well, thank you. Jazakallah khair for joining us today on the Naqabi Diaries. Sister, could you please introduce yourself for us and tell us a little bit about what you do? Jazakallah khairan for inviting me. Um, my name is Nadir Abdurrahman, but some people may know me as Diary of a Niqabi from Instagram. Uh, I do videos and just videos to inspire sisters generally in terms of seeking ilm or, or trying to be the best version you can be of yourself so they might know me as my uh, for my username diary of Inqabi. um i am an islamic studies student inshallah ta'ala i'll be finishing my undergrad in islamic studies uh, in two months inshallah ta'ala um at the same time i do teach when i get the time and the opportunity so pretty much that's it, I think. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. Uh, so where are you studying uh, the, um, the Islamic studies? Uh, I am currently studying in Kenya. There is uh, an Islamic university that is called Jamiatul Rafa Al Alamiya. Okay. It comes under the famous uh, university in Sudan that is known as Jamiatul Ifriqiya Al Alamiya. Uh -huh. So that's where I study. Mashallah, mashallah. Are you teaching at the same place as well or somewhere else? No, I teach kids at the okay. moment. Okay, alhamdulillah, mashallah, that's really mm. nice. Mm. So sister, can you tell us, how did you come to be wearing the niqab? Um, the niqab for me, for a, quite a period of time, I started wearing the niqab in 2016, mm -hmm. but... A few months prior of that, it was something I have been thinking about it, but the niqab is not an easy transition. So I was worried about the transi transition and wearing the niqab and the clothes that I'm already used to, the environment and stuff. So I, I, I actually delayed it as much as I could. Mm -hmm. But then, subhanAllah, even in terms of wearing the proper hijab, you know how sisters usually go, like they have those stages where you, you, they, there's a modest fashion hijab and yeah. then they go to jilbab and then they add niqab. For me, it wasn't like that. I was literally at the stage of wearing the not very modest clothes, but they were not considered hijab because there are certain conditions of the hijab that I wasn't fulfilling. Yeah. At the same time, I used to wear makeup. So I didn't go through the stage of where I went to jilbab and then niqab. Literally, it was that stage and then straight to niqab and full jilbab. Okay. And the way it happened was uh, there was every time I would see, I like to express, like if I see something good, I like to tell people like, you know, you have this, mashallah, I love it. I appreciate mm -hmm. it. I wish I could be like this in terms of this. I always approach sisters. So when I see a sister wearing full niqab, hijab and everything, I would go up to them and just be like, you know, I love the way you dress. I hope inshallah Allah will give me the strength and the ability to dress the way you do someday. So there was this girl in my class that I consistently, like every time I had to tell her, like, because I found her so beautiful, the way she dressed, her confidence, dance in like you know uh, wearing an ayah from the Quran wearing mm -hmm. dressing the way the Ummahatul Mu'minin were dressing she was just so confident and she just made it so beautiful so I constantly used to tell her so there was this other sister who used to sit beside me and every time I talk about her I, I talk to the sister I talk about the niqab she just didn't understand why I wasn't wearing it mm -hmm. because you love it so much but sometimes we love something but acting upon those things might have uh, consequences in yeah. terms of the people around you. Yeah. You might have to adjust to the new version of you. You have to 
be ready to lose people and that's not what something I wasn't ready for at the yeah. moment and I didn't think I had the strength for it so I would just tell her and she's just like why don't you just go for it I'm like no I'm not at the moment I can't do it and she's just like you should just go for it I tried to put it off as long as I could but one day for some reason she was carrying an extra niqab she's just like you know what I'm tired of you always always <laughs> just admiring and just telling people like you know you look good you did this I want to do it you want to do it but why don't you do it of course I'm like one day inshallah it's not that I don't want to do it but she's just like that one day could be today so today could be that day so here's a niqab wear it right there in she insisted and I was like, you know, my heart was inclining oh, towards it. I wanted and then I was like, you know what, okay, let me just do it. But at the moment, if you would have seen me, the way I looked, I just looked out of place because mm-hmm. I was wearing these clothes that were not very much they were not hijab. Yeah. I was wearing makeup on my eyes, but at the same time wearing this niqab. And that just made me feel shy. I'm like, okay, now that I'm wearing the niqab, I can't be dressing this way anymore. Mm-hmm. And subhanAllah that pushed me to actually go to the super to to the store and actually buy uh, black jilbabs and black mm-hmm. clothes to wear with the niqab and the following day alhamdulillah I came out in my full hijab and my niqab and okay, ever yeah. since then alhamdulillah so I think that's pretty much it for the first question mm-hmm. yes okay yeah. so um, so how, how long ago was that then roughly that was around four and a half years ago okay alhamdulillah so have you um have you faced any abuse or any difficulties wearing it like how was your family when you all of a sudden decided that you wanted to wear the niqab or did they know that you wanted to wear it beforehand like did you have support from your family or was there any obstacles from anybody for wearing it alhamdulillah in terms of my parents my father wasn't very fond of it, but alhamdulillah, he's always supported all the decisions I've made. Mm-hmm. My mom was fond of it. This is something my mom always wanted. Alhamdulillah. So alhamdulillah, my mom really supported it. She was excited. My dad respected it. And alhamdulillah, at the moment, my dad actually appreciates it. He just ended up loving it and just telling, just appreciating the fact that I went that extra mile for the sake of Allah. Um, but there were certain people like my sister and who just didn't understand why you're already wearing the hijab. Why do you have to go that extra? Mm-hmm. And there have been a few people wh- whom I had to explain to why I need to go to the extra mile. And this is something I feel like in the Muslim community at the moment, if something is a, is a sunnah, they don't see the value to it. Allah yeah. only asks you to do this. Yeah, why are you going extra? Why are you doing that? But the thing is, Allah... In order for him to have prescribed all of this ibadat, it just shows that these are things that he wanted us to do. But because of his mercy, he knows as humans that we are weak and he didn't want to burden us to that extent. So he made some of them obligatory and left the rest to us. Mm -hmm. So as a loving slave who wants to get closer to Allah, who wants to please Allah and make Allah happy, what you do is you know these are deeds that out of his mercy, he, he asked me to, he gave me the choice. Yeah. So I, I, I choose which ones of these deeds I feel like I can do. And for the sake of my Lord, because he bestowed his mercy upon me, why can't I show my gratitude and the fact that I'm grateful to him by going that extra mile for him and looking at the ibadat that are uh, voluntary, the sunan, and choose which one I can do for the sake of him and just go that extra mile for Allah Azza wa Jal. And this is something we don't understand. People don't understand the value of the sunnah. But this is something you're doing out of your love 
for Allah, not because he made it obligatory. You know, when there's mm. that choice, when you do something out of a choice and someone is not forcing it, it just, it's just extra special. Of course, yeah. And definitely. you're just going out of your way and trying to do this extra thing because you love Allah, because you want to please Allah, because you know this is something love to Allah Azza therefore it becomes beloved to you as well. Mm -hmm. So this is something I had to explain to a few people. Alhamdulillah, some understood, some didn't, but at the end of the day, the priority here is Allah Azza And if Allah is happy with me, if I know what I'm doing will get me closer to Allah Azza if I have to lose or get distant from certain people, then so be it. Yeah, subhanAllah. Alhamdulillah. No, I totally agree. I can really identify with that, to be honest. I think mm. this is something that even in my own interview I did recently, this is one of the things that I mentioned, that it really annoys me when people say something's just the sunnah. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, you're dismissing it that like it's not it's something It's not important. You know, it's a, it's a really um, bad way of thinking, to be honest. So, inshallah, may Allah re rectify our prayers. I mean. So, um, sister, um, how, um, how do you wear the niqab while you're teaching? I mean, obviously, you said you teach children, so how is that? How does that work? No, alhamdulillah, because I teach uh, children, I don't wear the niqab around them. And most of my students, actually, all of my students at the moment are all girls. Mm -hmm. But even if they were boys, like they are like four, five, six year olds, I just uh -huh. teach them how to read Arabic, yeah. how to read the Quran and the small hadith and stuff like that. So even if they were boys, they're still young. So Alhamdulillah, I don't wear the niqab. But where I usually wear niqab is in uni. And this is something, another thing that pushes me towards this goal that I would really, and I pray Allah would make us accomplish. Just seeing a sister open a markaz where all the teachers are females. Yeah. Because even... In, in our uni, in our jamia, it's only sisters, it's only girls. Uh -huh. But unfortunately, the, the asatida, most of the majority of the asatida are males uh -huh. because they, they couldn't find enough female asatida who can teach us, yeah. who, can t who are at the level of teaching at a jamia. And when I look at the, dif uh, the difference, when it's a female ustaz that we're so comfortable, we're not wearing the niqab, we can ask her any questions, sit, uh -huh. like uh, ask her any questions, interact with her and all of this. But with a male ustad, there's always that restriction. There's always yeah. that limitation. And you have some days where we have the, usually our lessons are from seven or maybe eight until like one. So it's like six hours. Yeah. For sometimes all the lessons we have are by male ustads. Mm. And throughout the day for like six hours, you have to, you just stay in the niqab. Sometimes it's heated, the class yeah. is crowded. So the, the only place, sorry. I think there was sound at the back. So the only the only place where there's a bit of like, you know, I always have to wear the niqab and I have I'm sorry about that. I think can we redo so it if you want to cut that off? If, yes, it's okay. You can just if you just repeat what you were saying that you you mentioned you you was talking about having a male teacher and the class is full and sometimes you wear the niqab for the whole of the day and it gets hot. Yeah. So if you just repeat that. Repeat from yeah. the so sometimes the classes start from seven, other times eight, but it's until like one, that's like six or five hours. And all the asati, the, all the teachers that are coming in are males and you have to keep the niqab on for like six hours, five hours. Uh, and it's heated if it's during the summer, the class is crowded, everyone is wearing black, everyone is wearing niqab. Mm. Not everyone, but some sisters don't wear the niqab. But the whole class is just heated and we don't have that opportunity like we need to breathe so certain times we just ask like Ustad can you give us five minutes ten minutes we need to breathe so <laughs> it's, it's just 
exactly so it's just in those situations mm. uh but I, this is why again sisters they, we need to get, encourage ourselves where we need to find ourselves in a situation where we can be independent on our own mm, it's definitely like yeah, it's on our own where if we are if we want to if there's a certain book that needs to be taught we know there's so and so sister so and so that we can she call who can it, teach yeah. uh, that would be just so amazing mm. So other than that, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, uh, uh, when I'm teaching, I don't have to wear the niqab because they're just kids. Alhamdulillah. So sister, obviously you said you're in the Islamic, um, you're in Islamic school now. So when you started wearing the niqab, was you in the Islamic school or is it just a different school? No, when I was wearing the niqab, I was in an institute learning the Arabic language. Right, okay. So, so you didn't yeah, have to so wear, like, obviously it wasn't, it wasn't less risky. Because um, what I'm trying to ask is, you know, the school you're in now, the Jamia, mm -hmm. do you mm -hmm. have a particular uniform that you have to wear? Because you mentioned that you, everybody's wearing black, right? Mm -hmm. So is that mm -hmm. like the uniform that you have to all wear black, all of you? Um, yes. Or is that just everybody's preference? No, in terms of the color, we all have to wear black. Right. And then you have to be fulfilling the eight conditions of the hijab. We of have course. it attached on the wall. Mm -hmm. You have to have all the eight conditions of the hijab and it has to be black. But in terms of the niqab, it's up to you. Yes. Okay. So we have like a mushrifa, a female ustada, who is uh, in the morning, she stands outside. And before we go in, she always checks your hijab mm -hmm. is correct. Mm -hmm. uh, you, it's black. Then you go in. Okay, alhamdulillah. So what about the previous school that you was in learning Arabic and stuff like what was that like with, in regards to like dressing and things like that? The previous one that I learned Arabic in, it was very free. Actually, mm -hmm. we even used to be brothers and sisters, we used to study in the same class okay. and everyone would wear whatever they would wear. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned before, I was, my hijab wasn't the most, like it was missing some conditions of the hijab. Mm -hmm. I would wear, I still don't know why, how I had the audacity to actually go to a class where there will be a teacher who's teaching me the Arabic language and I'm wearing makeup. So mm -hmm. yeah, certain things like that makeup you would wear. It was just very free. At the end of the day, it's up to you. All they used to do is make sure they're teaching you mm -hmm. and the rest is up to you. Okay. Whereas this one now, they look into your akhlaq, the way you interact, yes. the way you dress. It's like they try to train us from all aspects because once we get out of that, we are going to be the ones teaching. And yeah. ilm is not just manners come before ilm. Like course, the, even course. the salaf, that when they go to seek knowledge, mostly they used to start with uh, the akhlaq, like Anas bin Malik, his mother. When she sent him to, to a teacher, she said, uh, uh, learn from his manners before you learn from his knowledge. Yes. So that's what they are trying to do because man knowledge without manners is very, very dangerous. And we've seen the effects of that in our community at the moment. Definitely. So alhamdulillah, at least we have that bit of a training now in the jamia at the same time. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, that's really good. So um, have you done any traveling um, wearing the niqab at all since you've been wearing it? Have you left Kenya or... Have you gone even around Kenya in itself? Like, how has that been? Within Kenya itself, I have, and it hasn't been a problem, alhamdulillah. But I haven't traveled outside uh, Kenya with the niqab. Okay, okay, alhamdulillah. Mm. And would you say that um, the niqab is a barrier? And if so, which sense? Mm. I would say, okay, yes and no. In terms of it, uh, help, in terms of reaching your full potential, as in fulfilling your dreams and everything, 
I wouldn't say it's, uh, it's a barrier because at the end of the day, what's meant for you, you will be get, getting it. And it's not what is written for you and it's at the same time what's good for you. Allah will not deprive you of that for a reason, for something that you're doing for, the, for his sake. Mm-hmm. And I would say a barrier in terms of protection. It can be a barrier in terms of protection. Like I was having a conversation with a sister the other day and she was talking about how nowadays there's been a bit of like things coming out now, like uh, scandals about certain sisters and stuff like that. And she said that, can you imagine if these sisters are usually found in such environments going to like, uh, in terms of photography, they go to shoot music videos or they go to certain events that are not very Islamic. And she said, can you imagine if they were wearing the food jalbab, even if for them, they would still push themselves and try to go to these events, these people will not accept it because Allah, for them, they are wearing an ayah from the Quran. Allah will protect them and the hijab would protect them Mm. from such environments in the form of rejection. Yeah, so it's it can be a barrier and people will see it as a barrier when you get rejected to involve yourself in such environments but that's not a barrier that's Allah just Allah protecting you protecting you from yourself and the decisions that you're about to make that will that will that will put your akhirah in a risk that will put your relationship with Allah at risk mm. so when you're wearing this hijab you may be seen not getting these opportunities as a barrier or because you're wearing the hijab now you can't reach the full potential you can't fulfill that dream but how are you sure that that dream will bring you happiness how are you sure that that dream is what's good for you the fact that this thing has been prevented from you because of something you're doing for the sake of Allah just shows that Allah, this is Allah protecting you because of the same thing that you're doing for his sake, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. So we see it as a barrier, but in reality, it's not a barrier. It's Allah's protection. He's protecting ourselves from, he's protecting us from ourselves. Yeah, Sorry. subhanAllah, definitely. SubhanAllah, I totally agree with that. Like, I found that even in my own life, you know, mm. even, not, not even just the naqab or hijab generally. But just other things. Sometimes there's been certain things I've wanted to do. And um, yeah, I just haven't been able to do them, even though even though, even though I'm quite a headstrong person. And like, I'm so determined, like, yeah, I definitely want to do this thing. And it's just like, Allah will just put a block there. And I just have to stop and say, do you know what? This is Allah telling you, just no, just stop it now, because it's not going to be good for you. And you just have to accept exactly. it. Allah. And this is something, it's all, like, even for example, in the case of marriage, um, I remember some years ago, like there was a sister, she wanted to get married to a particular brother. And I just said to her, look, like, because she said when she was making dua, she would always make dua asking Allah to let her marry this particular brother. And I said, you shouldn't do that. Like only ask Allah to give you a righteous, pious husband, like a good husband that's going to be compatible with you. Don't ask Allah for this particular person, because it could be that that person is not good for you at all, even though you think that so at the, at the moment. And then people get frustrated because it's like, oh, I've, asked, I've been asking Allah for this person. He wouldn't let me marry this person. But subhanAllah, Allah knows better if this person is going to be right for you or not. So just stop pushing, you know, subhanAllah. Mm. And another thing I would like to add is that we have to know that Allah, among the names of Allah is Al-Karim, the most mm-hmm. generous. Yes. And at the same time, he's Al-Qadir. He is the most able. So Allah, not only can he give you this, but if it's good for you, he wants to. Allah exactly. will never deprive you from something that he knows will bring you good. Exactly. So when you know Allah like that, you will know that everything that 
you want but don't get is out of his hikmah mm. and out of his love for you. Because one, he's Al-Qadir. It's not because he's not able. He is able. And second is he's Al-Kareem. He is generous. It's not that he would deprive something from you, but he would actually love and want to give you. The fact that he's withholding this from you just shows that the only explanation for that is Allah is protecting me. He knows what I do not know. Therefore, you just trust him. If we trust Allah, we would save ourselves so much stress. So always remember, Allah is very generous and he will never, never deprive you of something that is good for you. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. So true. Subhanallah. So sister, um, do, you, do you feel as somebody who's worn the hijab before, fashionable hijab, and somebody obviously wearing the niqab now, do you feel that um, sisters who wear the hijab get treated differently from sisters who wear the niqab in your experience? Yes. 100% and uh, the reason to that is um, it depends on the people when I was not wearing the correct hijab I felt like I was being treated differently by certain people who were wearing the correct hijab right so for that reason I did not associate myself with them and stuff like that even though sometimes it would just be me already making an assumption about them i'm just mm -hmm. like you know what they're just going the first thing they're going to talk about is my hijab they're probably now thinking about how much i'm disobeying allah they're probably thinking about how wrong so i would just make up this assumption and just distance mm -hmm. myself because of my encounter with just a few people so when i was uh not wearing the proper hijab that was my experience and uh i was felt like i was being treated differently by the sisters who wore it and now that i'm wearing the niqab I feel like they, I feel like I'm less approached by sisters in general now because of the niqab, especially sisters who are not observing the correct hijab. Mm -hmm. They seem to keep a distance from me. And there was even this incident that happened with me in a masjid one day. It was Friday. And then um, I was asked because I wasn't praying, there's certain place for sisters who are not praying that they are asked to sit. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I didn't notice there was this sister. I just sat next to her and I just opened my book. I didn't notice and the sister already had this image of me but I, I didn't even notice her as I was reading another sister approaches me who's a friend of mine and she gives me the book and she was wearing the same clothes not like hijab hijab mm -hmm. she was also wearing like the less of like abaya and a small mm -hmm. scarf and some makeup and stuff like that so this sister approached me because she's a friend of mine mm -hmm. and she's like oh let me go make wudu here keep uh, can you keep my bag with you mm -hmm. so this sister sitting next to me who was also not observing the correct hijab so this like um encounter I had with this sister and the way I was just chatting and we're friends and she was just taken aback and she just looked at me with the niqab and hijab and then she looked at this girl and she's just like you know what she's actually talking to this sister and she's friend and she's not mm -hmm. even observing the hijab and she decided to chat with me and she just goes oh what's the book you're reading and I, I didn't I have no idea that she already had all of this going on in her mind I just thought she was genuinely asking about the book I told her about the book and after we had a long conversation at the end she said you know what I noticed you the first time you walked in the masjid and I saw your niqab and your white hijab and everything and immediately I'm like hmm another judgmental niqabi mm, her hijab is so big if she sees me i'm going to be taught a lesson mm. and i saw you coming this way sitting next to me and i was like oh my god oh my god i pray she doesn't talk to me i pray she doesn't talk to me she was just like oh, no, no. i was hoping you don't even look my way 
And then when I saw you interact with this sister in such a way and you guys are com uh, comfortable and you didn't seem like you were judging her, you genuinely seemed like friends, I actually thought like, well, she might be different. She might be someone you can talk to. And she actually opened up to me about the struggles of the hijab and how much she's been treated by other sisters who wear the niqab on hijab and stuff like that. So I feel like each side, the sisters who observe the correct hijab and the others who, who are struggling with it have and this image of each other and this assumption about each other which makes it difficult for us to approach each other and actually have a sit down and try to help each other mm. with with what the other because you have to understand these sisters have perfected the hijab but 100 percent, the fact that they've perfected the hijab just means that they are missing out on something there's something that they are trying to do that they are not able mm. and this sister who is not observing the correct hijab her struggle might be with the hijab but she's already maybe perfected this thing that this other sister is struggling with and if we just come together and have these discussions we will be able to help each other but already we have these assumptions about each other and these misconceptions about each other because of what we have experienced with a certain group of uh, sisters or a, an individual two individuals we decided to just call, like break the unity and disunite and uh, just keep our distance and just be this group are the niqabis and this group are the hijabis Subhanallah. No, I totally agree with you. I think this is another issue because even me, when I started to wear the um the niqab, a lot of sisters would say, "Oh, you're so friendly compared to other niqabis," and you know, and they say things like, "Oh, niqabis, they don't like to give salam to like non niqabis," and I just said mm -hmm. to them, "Well, I said, have you ever seen a niqabi and given her the salam yourself? Like, have you ever initiated salam and they didn't reply?" And they just kind of looked like blank expression. So they haven't initiated the salam and then mm. they expect the other sister to give salam to them. So it's like, like you're saying, I think people have these misconceptions from both sides, like the sisters. And it's a problem because part of our religion is we are supposed to give salam to other Muslims when we see them. And I remember like even here now, like I'm wearing the niqab, but I give, I try to give salam as much as possible when, I, when I'm on the street, when I see Muslims and I'm, in close um you know proximity to other muslims you know so I'm not obviously shouting and stuff but you know if i'm walking past another sister on the street i always say assalamu alaikum and sometimes people just look at me like as almost if to say well i don't know who you are so i don't need to <laughs> i don't need mm. to reply to you but subhanallah it's, it's not like that we're supposed to give salam to the one we know and to the one that we don't know and you get re you get rewarded for giving the salam and especially if you initiate the salam you get more reward and once you give the salam the angels will reply, will reply to you even if the person doesn't reply to you. So if you really mm. got nothing to lose, you know, just like these small, simple things, you know, we don't have anything to lose by just being nice. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think often we, we put in our minds a bad image of other people, but really we, instead of prejudging others, we should just think good of people. And then inshallah, you will see something good of somebody. And sometimes I found that you know, sometimes even, for example, there's been cases where somebody will tell me about somebody else and say, oh, this person is not nice and such and such. And if I haven't met the person, I, I, I try to just not have this kind of thing in my mind. I remember there's a hadith to Prophet he was, somebody came to him and, and was telling him something bad about somebody. And he, and he told the person, look, I don't want to hear, like, you know, basically that he didn't want to hear like these negative things. He'd rather meet the person for himself. And, you know, find out for himself how the person is rather than, you know, listening to backbiting as well. And so I try to, I try to do the same thing when I meet people. I make my own 
you know not judgment of them but like i have my make my own experience with them do you know what i mean like not meet them and treat them some way because of what somebody else has said and this is part of the problem what that sisters are doing now a lot i think which isn't good you know we should think good of each other and just do the sunnahs of giving the salam and smiling as well nothing's gonna you know it doesn't hurt anybody Exactly. It's actually what, among the signs of the last day where people will not be giving salam except to those that they know. I know yes, and subhanallah, exactly. amongst the benefits of salam as well is that the Prophet told this Should I show you something that if you do, you will love one another? Spread the salam amongst you. Mm. And now that you see, you know, there's less mahabba within the sisters. There's less unity. There's less all of the. And I'm like, if, if you're not, we should start with the salam. If there's no salam, there's not going to be mahabba. Like the Prophet already told us. The fact that you are a Muslim sister, it doesn't matter whether I know you or not. Automatically, faith connects us. Mm. You are my sister in faith. You are like, we are on the same journey on here we're supposed to be helping each other and stuff like that so immediately i see and i know that you're 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 a muslima that in in itself that faith and uh, our our belief in allah Azzawajal should co- automatically connect us mm. and it's so true i think me personally i you know even for sisters who are not wearing the hijab at all yeah this is something like mm. for example there's some sisters obviously it's harder to tell because you can't just assume that somebody who looks brown or Arab or whatever that there's Muslim because it's not always mm. the case. But for example, here where I live in Newcastle, we have um, the local masjid. And, you know, during Ramadan is the time when you will see everybody, you know. Most of the time you mm. see most Muslims, especially people who are practicing religion, people who are serious, they want to draw close to Allah. And often you'll see sisters who they're not wearing hijab. So, you know, when I, I try to always remember those sisters, their faces in my mind, even if I don't know their names, so if I do see them on the street, I can recognize them. They're Muslim. I will give them salam. Do you know what I mean? It takes a bit more effort because obviously it's not as easy to identify somebody who is Muslim when they're not wearing the hijab. But it's important. And I feel I found that, you know, when when I do that, I, I make a good bond and relationship with those sisters who aren't even wearing the hijab. And then at least then hopefully in their minds, they feel that they're not being judged because, oh, I'm wearing the niqab and they're not wearing hijab or something like that, because it shouldn't be like that, you know? The sister that you know, she she takes her prayer seriously and at least she's trying. And I don't know the reason why she's not wearing the hijab either. Maybe she was just raised not wearing the hijab because there's many communities that they have that are like that. People, sisters that, who are not raised wearing the hijab at all. So for them, it's something, you know, it's normal. You know, they don't know better even. Or they don't they don't think they think maybe that hijab is something just cultural so i think these things like it's important subhanallah to um you know see everybody with some mercy as well i think and just like you mentioned some people are good at other, uh, some things and others are good at other things so mm, and also even thinking well of them automatically instead of thinking how dare she disobey Allah like that mm-hmm. how about you just ask her and try to help her like you know how the salaf used to say um, if I see my brother drenched in alcohol and his beard was dripping of alcohol I would say it was it was uh, poured on him if I saw him on a mountain uh, saying 
which is the verse that in the Quran describing Fir'aun, how he used yes. to tell the people, like, I am your Lord, the Most yes. High. I would say, oh, he is just reciting that ayah from the Quran. Yes, subhanAllah. Thinking and giving excuses and trying, even if you're not giving them excuse, try to understand and ask why, what is mm -hmm. happening. We have this thing of judging people as a group instead of judging everyone and, and actually not even judging, looking at people individually. Just yeah. because she, there are some people out there who don't believe the hijab is wajib, therefore I'm not going, they're stubborn and they're hard-headed, I'm not, I'm not going to wear the hijab. Doesn't mean every sister who doesn't wear the hijab believes the same. Exactly. There are genuinely sisters out there who are just struggling with it, but they would love to be able to it. And probably she's looking up to you for inspiration, for motivation, and she would like to talk to you and uh, ask for tips and advice and everything. And you're over there already shutting the door on her. Mm. Somebody once said, once told me that, you know, if you judge somebody, you have to judge them on their whole life, and it's only Allah that can do that. You know, mm -hmm. we can't, we we can't, there's, we don't have any right to judge somebody else. Cause you you see one small thing that they do which might be incorrect, but it's not for you to judge them because you don't know why they're doing it like that, why they're doing this mistake. You know, you know, you don't understand the reasons why, but Allah knows everything. You know, so He's the one that is going to judge us. Not we shouldn't be the ones going around judging each other. Yes, 100%. So, um, have you met anybody, sister, who's been forced to wear the uh, the niqab at any time, or like, or any sisters who, for example, would like to wear it but they're they're not allowed to wear it for some reason? There are a few sisters who have reached out to me online who talk about how they want to wear the niqab, or even sometimes even the hijab, mm -hmm. but the families are not allowing them. Mm. But in terms of someone who's saying I've been forced no one i've never met which is a weird thing because out there the misconception about islam is that they force women to, cover. to wear to to cover and dress yeah. this way but my whole life i have met sisters who are not allowed imagine but i have never met a sister who's been forced yeah subhanallah even to be honest just today a sister sent me a message and was saying that she would really love to wear the niqab and the husband is telling her no and that if she if she keeps talking about it that he's gonna um divorce her like subhanallah, and I, said, subhanallah. I just said well really just just don't like push the situation because you don't want to lose your marriage over something like this do you know what i mean i know niqab is you know obviously niqab is something you know very good to do and stuff like that it's either farad or sunnah but don't like you know it goes back to the opinion that she follows of course if yeah. the opinion she follows is niqab is wajib then she will have to wear it even if her husband doesn't approve yes. because there's yeah. no obedience to the creation in the disobedience of allah so if she believes the niqab is farad uh, and she reads all the opinions or maybe the sheikh that she follows believes that it's wajib or she reads the opinions and she sees the one that stands out to her that makes the most sense to her is the one that's wajib she will have to go against even her husband to wear the niqab because mm -hmm. it's something wajib and when it comes to the wajibat you do not leave it off for the sake of another cre creation but yeah. if it's in terms of sunnah then she has to not push it and just stay back yeah like subhanallah it like it sounded like in this case that the sister she she hadn't done that much extensive research mm, to find mm. out you know to make a decision on what she thought so that's why i just said it's better not to push it because sometimes do you know what i mean like mm. you know you don't want to give somebody some this kind of advice and like it then take it like a big decision i mean you know it's up to a lot at the end of the day but yeah, yeah. Subhanallah. may allah make it easy for us yeah, and for I mean. everyone yeah i mean
Yeah, because subhanAllah, it's really sad when I hear these kind of things. I remember another sister was uh, was telling me that she's she she knows of some sisters, for example, that you know they've been wearing the niqab and after getting married, the, the brother like doesn't want them to wear it anymore, so then they take it off. You know, and it's just like I don't understand personally why a husband wouldn't want his um wife to wear it. Like you know, if you're a practicing brother, I don't really understand you know why why he wouldn't want his wife to wear the niqab. You know, subhanAllah. And he was okay with marrying her in the first place with yeah. the niqab on. This, this is why it's important to have, he might not be voicing it, yeah. but it's just important to bring out the topic and just be like, what do you think about it? Because some men are just thinking, oh, I have that much of right over her. Exactly. If I command her, she has to do it. So I'll just leave this off. And then when I get in the situation and I have that authority over her, I'm just going to put it on her and just tell her you don't have to do this anymore. So it's important to have such conversations with beforehand and tell him, what do you think? Not even, what do you think of me wearing? What do you think of the niqab? And his opinion on the niqab, what he says about it, if he seems like he's belittling it, like, you know, it's just something that is sunnah and stuff, yeah. you have to be worried. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a bit of a warning sign, I suppose. Yeah, mm. definitely, inshallah. Mm. Mashallah, I think that's really good advice. So any sisters who are looking to get married and you're already wearing the niqab or you would like to wear it, make sure you ask this question to your potential um, spouse, inshallah. So and make sure you don't ask it directly because sometimes they will find a way to go around it. Right. Just be yeah. like, Do, would you want me to wear the niqab? Yeah. Nah. And then he's just going to say things like, you know, at the end of the day, it's up to you. So you have to mm. make sure that he doesn't value the fact that it's just you who's wearing it, but he values the act in itself. Yes. And the fact that this is something from Allah. So you just ask, ask it in a general manner. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think of it? And if yes. he uses just sunnah, or maybe oh, it's something some people do. And just the way he talks about it just shows if this is something he actually values and sees the value behind. Mm-hmm. Or if it's just something he's like, you know what, you're doing it. If you want to do it, go for it. Yeah, alhamdulillah. So what would you advise um, to sisters who would like to wear the niqab, but they haven't started wearing it yet? They're feeling a bit like, you know, they don't feel confident or they feel a bit unsure of themselves. What would you advise them? Mm. I feel like, first of all, there are different situations that are different things that prevent sisters from wearing the niqab. So if it's like a big issue like family or or, or maybe you live in a very dangerous country where if you wear it, you're going to even reach as far as like, you know, being killed. Like not there, like I'm going to be stared at or people mm. are going to look me weird. I'm not going to get a job because those personally, I don't find them to be a valid reason. But if it goes to the extent where like you get acid poured on you or maybe you're going to get killed and you have this consent, then take your time, consult Allah Azza wa pray two rakahs and ask Allah to guide you to what's best. But I've met that on the other hand, some sisters who when I talk to them, they will not tell you directly like, oh, uh, I don't want to cover my beauty because I'm afraid of not getting married. But they say things like, oh, like, uh, I'm not married yet. Or maybe, yeah. inshallah ta'ala, I'll wear it after marriage. Yeah. So such things indicate that you feel like, oh, if I'm not out there looking pretty, uh, I will not be able to catch a brother's eye. I will not yeah. get married and stuff like that. And that's one of the things, actually, people told me when I first started wearing it. I'm like, oh, you want to keep distance from brothers. At the same time, you want to cover. Looks like your plan is to get old in your parents' house. SubhanAllah. So for me, after some reflection, I just thought like, SubhanAllah, all of these men that you're trying to get their attention, who created them? Allah Azza wa Jal. And 
where is their heart in between the two fingers of Allah and Zawajal? You want to get that heart, you want to get that attention, uh, like uh, uh, their attention, but at the end of the day, that's up to Allah Azzawajal. So if you do this for the sake of Allah Azzawajal, you can be sure that Allah Himself, because you made such a big sacrifice for the sake of Allah, Allah knows His creation best. He will look over them and choose the best one amongst them because of the sacrifice you made just for you. If you are out there like feeling like I'm going to be able to attract, I'm beautiful, I'm going to be, attract, uh, be able to attract the brother with my looks and everything, for sure you will be able to attract. They will be able. But can you guarantee that he's good? Yeah, can you exactly. guarantee he's going to give you your rights? But when you leave it in the hands of Allah Azzawajal and be like, Ya Rabbi, I'm doing this for your sake and I leave the rest to you, you can be sure that Allah will not forsake you. Mm-hmm. You can be sure out of all these men that Allah created, he will, be, he will choose the best ones the best one out of them for you because of the sacrifice you made. So we tend to forget about Allah when we are planning things and you're making all of these plans, but where does Allah fall in those? Isn't he the one who creates all of this? Who is in control of all this? How can you think then doing something for the sake of, of the one who owns the universe will actually prevent you from getting a minor, a small thing in this universe? Allah. So if you are delaying and not wanting to wear the niqab for such reasons like marriage or like, you know, I, I don't feel I want, you know, uh, I, I'm still young, I'm still beautiful. There are certain people who say I'm going to wear it at the age of 40, 35, once like, you know, now I'm in my youth, I need to enjoy it, I'm beautiful and all of this. You yourself, my sister, are object, objectifying yourself. You are diminishing your value to something as your looks. Mm. When Allah of out there, Allah is giving you such a great value, Allah is preserving you, Allah is protecting you. But you yourself with your own hands and your mentality are diminishing your value and trying to live with uh, what society deems to be the good life, what you should be doing at this moment. This is the best thing that you can own and everything. If it's such petty reasons, I, you're doing yourself... Um, a great what's the word you're not doing disfavor. yourself right mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. you're doing yourself a great disfavor mm-hmm. so that would be my advice if the reason was anything i mentioned or any other thing that you feel like is not very important and will not uh, affect your life that great then don't delay it the next minute is not guaranteed if you're going to live to next year that you're planning on wearing the niqab next month all of this are not guaranteed yeah subhanallah Go for it. This is for, for the sake of Allah Azawajal. Remember who you're doing it for. And definitely everything that is good for you will be open to you. And if you find yourself, you're definitely going to struggle. 100%. But we have to know the more struggles, the more rewards. The more struggles, the more opportunities to get closer to Allah. The more struggles, the more opportunity for us to get rewarded for a, a great deed as sabr, patience, which is something that Allah Azza wa did not put a limit to the amount of rewards. Indeed, the patient will be rewarded without any hisab, without any limitations. So look at the struggles that you're going to face as extra opportunities. I'm doing this to get closer to Allah Azza wa and Allah is bringing all of these struggles my way because he wants to give me more opportunities to get closer to him, more opportunities to earn his mercy. So wearing the niqab, which is something that is so much, so highly recommended to the extent where some ulama believe that it's wajib, you know that 100% you cannot go wrong with it. 
with the right intention, it will definitely get you closer to Allah Azzawajal. So why would you delay something that will get you closer to Allah Azzawajal for something petty or something that is for the sake of this world? When you are not guaranteed you're going to live long enough to get that same thing in this world, but you are guaranteed that you're going to doubt and you're going to meet Allah Azzawajal. So I say go for it. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Mashallah. So sister, just to wrap up the interview now, inshallah, I'll ask you, what does the niqab mean to you? The niqab to me is a sacrifice I made for the sake of Allah. Something I am proud because as someone who, the, my biggest fitna is the fashion industry. Mm. I, I loved everything that has to do with glamour and beauty and all of this. And for the fact that I could leave all of that and go as far as covering my face, going as far as covering, uh, uh, covering in a way that is not even deemed to be wajib for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal, is just something that makes me proud, something that reminds me that I have a greater purpose in this life, that's something that reminds me that there's a greater being that deserves my efforts, that deserves my sacrifice and a greater being who will not overlook any of this you know how when you do things for people there's a high chance that they will not give you uh, uh the gratitude that it deserves but with allah azawajal he's al-adil he's the most just he's the most loving 100 percent you're guaranteed that you're not only going to get the reward that you deserve but you will get it multiplied so such an opportunity if i am able to just take that extra step why can i not do it so the niqab for me is a great act of worship that indicates the sacrifice a woman made where we know women, they're focused, how much they love beauty. Mm, definitely. That in itself is strength. So my niqab, I think I can say it's my strength. Alhamdulillah. MashaAllah, that's beautiful. SubhanAllah. Jazakallah khair, sister. Thank you so much for giving me your time today on the Naqabi Diaries. Um, and for the listeners, I hope everybody's enjoyed. And um, inshallah, um, I'll put the link to your Instagram profile in the description so that they can, inshallah, get positive and um, beneficial reminders. Jazakillah khairan for inviting me. Jazakillah khairan for creating this platform for sisters. May Allah reward you for it. May Allah add it to your scale of good deeds. It is very, very much needed. People need to see this other side of Muslim women and actually hear their voices. So Jazakillah khairan for giving us this opportunity to be heard. And I ask Allah Azza wa Jal to reward you for it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Jazakillah khairan for giving me the opportunity. Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.